Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is Preston Lyons, 20 years both career and volunteer experience, currently a backstep firefighter in a suburban metro department north of Denver, creator of Fit Fire Fortitude, where such skills such as developing hard mindsets, fitness focus, and relentlessly contesting mediocrity are the main goals. With that, I present Mr. Preston Lyons. All right. Hey, what's up, Danny? My name is Preston Lyons, uh, originally from Los Angeles, California. I moved back and forth between L.A. and Colorado when I was a kid. So I had an interesting upbringing. You know, I went to different middle schools and high schools. So I don't really have a lot of lifelong friends where I found a lot of bonding and relationships was through team sports. I was actually very competitive as a kid and I was pretty athletic. So my my path as a as a kid was to play sports enough to get a scholarship and go to college and, and see where that takes me. Along the way, someone for, forgot to tell me that a 5'9 flat-footed wide receiver wasn't going to make it to the NFL. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so, you know, I had to find another career path. But by the time I figured that out, I was already 18 years old and uh, I didn't know what I was going to be doing. Right. Um, but there was actually an event that happened. I'm sure everybody on here knows uh, called 9-11. September 11th was a big turning point for me in my life. Uh, a lot of people in the fire service know it, know it as, you know, the 343, the ones that gave the ultimate sacrifice to this job. But for me, I didn't know anything about the fire service yet. Uh, at that time, it was when the military recruiters started coming around to the high schools because it was time to go to war. So for a kid like me who wasn't going to college and had no direction, I was the perfect candidate to join the military. Uh, I originally wanted to join the Marines and I was talking to a Marine recruiter and, you know, I had already taken the aptitude test to, to score, to see what kind of job that I could do in the military. But the Marine recruiter was actually looking out for me. And he was like, I want you to retake the ASVAB test because he's like, did you study for it? I said, no. And he goes, okay, let's study, retake it, get a higher score so you can get a better job in the Marines. I'm like, cool. All right. Well, one day I go to the Marine recruiting station. And if you've ever been to one, all of them, all the branches are connected. So you got Marines, Navy, Army, all connected to each other. And I and the Marine recruiter wasn't there. And right next door were the Navy recruiters outside smoking cigarettes with tattoos up their sleeves. And they're like, hey, man, what's up? And I was like, hey, I was just here to see the Marine recruiter. And he goes, have you signed the dotted line yet? I was like, no, not yet. It was just we were uh, trying to figure that out. And he's like, well, why don't you come in here and sit down and and, uh, and wait for him? <laughs> so uh, naive Preston, I, I was sitting in the recruiting office and they're, and they're digging their hooks into me. And next thing I know, before I even leave the recruiting station, I'm signing the dotted line to join the U.S. Navy. And within three months, I'm out the door to boot camp. And if anybody that's ever been in the Navy, they know, you know that, Every sailor is a firefighter. We're trained right out the gate to manage hose and flow water because when you're a shipboard firefighter or when you're a shipboard sailor, there's no one coming for you. If a fire breaks out, you better figure out how to put that out. Otherwise, you're going down. So that's kind of where the fire service started for me was kind of on accident. I was a, I was a young kid with no direction, and, and Uncle Sam came and scooped me up, and then they taught me some basic firefighting skills. And I actually did a little I did 10 years in the Navy. I was primarily doing airport firefighting, crash and salvage, working with um, combat helicopters and F-18s and all kinds of different aircraft on aircraft carriers. And I was in Japan for four years, San Diego, and uh, eventually ended up in Pensacola, Florida, where that's where they actually train the Navy pilots. So I was uh, I was there and I was approaching the 10 year mark and. And I was like, I'm not going to do 20 in the Navy. I got to get out. I got to figure out something. I got to figure out what to do. What am I good at? Well, I work on flight decks. I help nav navigate aircraft around the flight deck. I can go work for Southwest Airlines, <laughs> you know, and, and throw bags on a plane. I was like, no, that ain't, that's not me. That's not me at all. So um, I was like, well, I'm trained to be a firefighter. So 
let me try this out. And I did some volunteer firefighting in Escambia County, mm-hmm. Pensacola, Myrtle Station, Myrtle Grove, and finally got my digs into some structural firefighting there. And out there, I was exposed to two major calls that that let me know I was heading in the right direction and it actually motivated me to pursue this. And they're not the best stories. One was a trailer fire in the middle of the night. We had reports of victims inside the trailer and it was me and another guy on an engine. We get there, we pull a hose and we make entry. And that was when I realized that trailers, structural integrity don't really hold up to fire very well. Right. I went straight through the floor, making my way back to the bedroom and luckily for me, it wasn't a big drop, but that was a big wake up call for me. That was like, whoa, I, this ain't, this is nothing that what I learned. They didn't teach me this on the training ground. I, I'm, this isn't the concrete structural building that I was trained to go into with the propane um, desk in, in the training center. Right. So it became really real for me. And that's when I was like, I need to learn how to do this job if I'm going to actually do it. Hmm. So I started pursuing that. And then second for me was. When I was a volunteer, I didn't have a lot of medical background and we would support the ambulance companies in the county and we get called to an overdose and the medic unit was delayed. They were at the hospital doing turnover. They're about 15 minutes out and we show up to this person, this female in the parking lot who's aspirating on her own vomit in supine position, head up and all I know how to do is take a blood pressure and put a nasal cannula on. I don't, I don't, I didn't know, you know, log roll, suction, clear the air. I didn't know any of that. And for 15 minutes, I watched the bubbles in this person's mouth get smaller and smaller and eventually go away. And I helplessly sat there and watched this person die in front of me. And even when the medic crew showed up, they worked her and they worked her and they couldn't get her back. And I said, I don't ever want to feel that again. So that was when I decided I'm I'm going to get out of the Navy and I got my GI Bill and I'm going to go to paramedic school and I'm going to learn how to manage airways and treat people and help people because that was the worst feeling I ever felt in my entire life. So I moved back to Colorado when I got out of the Navy. I chose Colorado because California is extremely expensive. <laughs> and uh, I had a couple of buddies in Colorado that let me sleep on the couch while I went to P school and got on a private ambulance company, was doing interfacility transports, which for me, I always had in my mind that like, this is going to benefit me as a firefighter. I'm going to learn where the hospitals are at. I'm going to learn how to do patient care and do assessments, which is, you know, th- this was my goal to, to be able to do this in the fire service. You know, a lot of people, are down about being on the medic unit and interfacility transports, but I always try to find a way to benefit it for being a firefighter. Eventually, um, after applying and interviewing to several departments in the Denver metro area, I got a call from my current department and they wanted to bring me in for an interview. And long, uh, long story long, I finally got picked up, went through the academy, and I've been with my department for eight years. And it has been, it has had a lot of ups and downs, but I am so thankful for being in the department that I am because De- Denver is already, it's blowing up, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the suburban departments in the area have benefited from that, from that uh, explosion in that population and they're pushing out to the suburbs. So my department, we're looking at building two new stations. We got specialty teams and all this stuff and, and I'm just riding that wave and I could not be happier than where I'm at right now. So that is how I got into the fire service. And that's where I'm at today. Awesome, man. I like hearing, I like hearing the different backgrounds, different stories, different events that changed an individual's life or way of thinking of why they want to do this job and how they can get better at it. So that that's, I love it. I love you. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm actually envious of those guys that are legacy firefighters, right. To like, Oh, you know, my family's been doing this for three generations and I'm here and it's just, it was simple. You know, for me, just, I'm so fortunate. I didn't grow up with money and I didn't grow up with education. I was, I was just stumbling my way through life and I'm so fortunate to be where I'm at. And that's why I got to tell the story the way it is because I want people to know that, Hey, you can do it too. Uh, you know, I had I had nothing, and now I'm here now, and I couldn't be happier. It's the best job in the world. Awesome. Um, so I take it your current rank. Are you a backstep? 
I'm a backstep right now, and uh, I have certifications to either be an engineer or chauffeur, and then I, I'm working on – I have my officer certifications, and we got a test coming up in October. So hoping to get into that company officer position within the year. Okay. So I take it you're going to skip the engineer step and go straight to the uh, officer in charge? Yeah, you know, I, I felt like I needed to get the engineer certifications to actually sit in that seat because in order to be a well-rounded firefighter or actually be a company officer that has perspective on every position, you got to do it for a little while. So I got in that position and it's fun. I And, and people say it's the best job on the in the fire service and I kind of agree. But for me, I for me, I like I like to to motivate and manage a crew and 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 lead some of the trainings and 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 develop a culture within the four walls of my firehouse. So that's the direction I'm going to go. All right, all right. If I if I was giving you if I was grading you on the uh, on points or or whatever, I, I'd pass you because to me, like I love the engineer spot, the driver spot because it, it's it's his rig. Yes, it's the captain's crew but it's the driver's rig and you know the driver pretty much to me the driver sets the tone on on how things are going to go but anyways that's just me and this is not an interview about me yeah. talk about that later <laughs> but uh no that, that's awesome man because i like i like how you really you really stayed you really have your mindset is where it needs to be when you're like you want to shape the culture within the four walls of your uh, whatever station you go to whatever crew you win so that that's that's awesome that's awesome um so with that being said uh, i'm trying to figure out which question i want to ask now i'm going to ask so how did fit fire and fortitude come about because what you're pushing leads me to believe and i'm sure this is everywhere that maybe you at some point of your, in your career you might have been with an individual or individuals that were that weren't cutting it pretty much. I mean, you can say that. I wouldn't say it was necessarily individuals. It was more how I saw myself. Okay. I I have benefited from playing sports all my life, being active in the military, and I have that compound compounding interest buildup where I can go to the gym and work out and maintain. And I know that's not the same for everybody in the fire service. You know, there's guys that, you know, maybe were chubby fat kids and got in the fire service and now they're trying to find their way. And um, for, yeah, I just woke up one day and I was looking at myself and I was like thinking about Rick operations and, and search and finding victims in a structure and pulling hose, you know, down into a basement or up multiple floors doing standpipe operations. I was like, I would be absolutely gassed, I think, if if I had to do a major event. And I might consider myself fit, but I'm not where I want to be. So it was more for me, the Fit Fire Fortitude brand was created to actually hold myself accountable. And I started sharing my fitness journey through the interwebs, Instagram. And I started connecting with people that were like, this is great to see, you know, and they actually started messaging me. They're like, what kind of workouts do you do? What kind of diets are you on? And I'm like, you're asking me, <laughs> I'm just trying to do this for myself, you know? And, and so I don't, I try not to judge people in my department based on their um, fitness, but I will judge on their effort. Mm -hmm. Right. I can't mm -hmm. expect you to be where I'm at physically. You, you may genetically just be a big dude, but if you're on the recliner all day, you know, I, I got something to say about it. And I've actually rubbed a few people the wrong way. Like my, my delivery isn't for everybody. Um, the, the captions and, and the content that I create is, is, is kind of aggressive and it's kind of direct. And, and I carry myself that way in the fire service as well. I try, I, I find myself to be more unapologetic, right? Because the message that we hear more outside of my department is we need to be doing this. And I know you've heard it. We, this is, we do this for them. We don't mm -hmm. do it for us. Mm -hmm. Right. Once we, once we raised our hand and took that oath and we said, we're going to do, we're going to protect and serve the community to the best of our abilities. And we're going to represent our department professionally and to the highest standard. That's it. You, how do you show up to work and not, and not be in shape? You know, and once again, I'm, I'm not trying to say that I'm in the best shape. I just acknowledge when I look in the mirror that I'm not there yet. 
And that's what the platform is. It, that is the fit part and fit fire because you need to be training um, in your gear. You need to be comfortable in your gear because, and I know there's an argument that you probably shouldn't be training in your gear because PFAs and cancer risks. I understand that. But if the only time you move around in your gear is quarterly trainings and when you're in a structure fire, you're going to struggle. Mm-hmm. You're going to struggle. So that's why I say like, Hey, get in your gear, put your SBA mask on and just, just do something, move around. And if, if you're sucking down air and you, and you work out for 25, 30 minutes, Hey, like you, you did something, you're 1% better than you were at the beginning of the day. So I added the fortitude part in because you could be the strongest, most fit dude in the fire department. But if you don't know what the hell you're doing on the fire ground, if you're not a thinking firefighter, you're still useless. I can ask you to go kick in that door. But if I, if I say, Hey, look at the windows on this structure, are you going to do a left or right hand search pattern? And they can't answer, you know, I got to, I got to hold your hand through a structure fire. So fit fire fortitude is not only about being fit, but it's about understanding tactics and, and training your mind to be able to do this job effectively and efficiently. And once again, it started with just me, but I feel like the message does resonate with a lot of people. So that's where I'm trying to build and just spread the message. Okay. And I, I totally get like how you worded how, you know, there are some people, everyone has different body shapes, different limits, but I, I take that to an extent. And that's why I use the but because we're all grown men and women here. We all know that this job is taxing on our bodies. And as we get older, it seems like it gets tougher because it does. Because I, mm-hmm. I'll tell like my newest firefighter, I tell them most of the time, this is a young man or woman's game. Like as we get older, the only way to keep up is to stay in shape. So whenever I see somebody sitting down, pounding some donuts or (laughs) ice cream, not saying you can't do that, but you have to, to me, you have to put in, I like to call it sweat equity to kind of Mm -hmm. reap the reward. So like yesterday, you know, I was out, I came out from vacation. I was out in the Bay. It was like 92, 93. I was like, Hey, I'm going to stretch some lines. I didn't gear up all the way, but I had my SCBA on, I had my jacket on, everything was fully zipped and I was sweating. I mean, and mm-hmm. you know, and to me, I'm making myself better. I'm holding myself accountable, but I, I have a problem with people who, who take this job as like a joke where, Oh, it's hot out. I'm We're going to sit inside on their inner recliner all day. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that there's not a time or place to do that. But if you do that every day, to me, I'm sorry, you are a shitbag. Yeah. I'm sorry for my well, language, but it, it is what it is. Well, and it's complacency, right? Right. Like EMS calls are up, fires are down. And the majority of at least suburban fire departments, and I think the majority of the fire service is, you know, suburban. And we just, we don't think it's going to happen to us, right? It's the mm-hmm. same thing if you're if you're driving down the highway and you're listening to podcasts or music, you don't think a drunk driver is going to come out and, and hit you, but it, it happens every day. And we're just complacent. We, we show up to work and we're like, we're not going to get that ripper today. I don't need to be in shape. Mm-hmm. Or uh, I'm fortunate in my department, and I think this does play into a little bit of the complacency, is that we, we have, when we show up to a structure fire, we have engines right on our heels. We have hydrants spread out. Um, very close to any type of structure that we have. So we, we, we benefit from that. So I think guys are thinking that they're not going to have to work a long time without support coming up behind them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it still shouldn't be an excuse. It still shouldn't. And in my opinion, the more fit and the more fit you are, the better you just feel, the more, the more you want to come in and do the job and you're not, you're not dreading the training. You're not trying to avo- avoid being the guy that's going to throw the ladder. You're not trying to like get with your buddy, be like, Hey, why don't you throw the ladder? And then I'll mask up and go up the ladder. It's like, okay, we, we know what you're trying to do, bro. Like, you don't have to hide it. And, but that's another thing is like, because of that, because of the complacency, because of the lack of fitness in the fire service, and I'm not talking about just my department. I'm saying like everybody as a whole, mm-hmm. um, we, man, I lost my train of thought. Where are we at? Man, I lost it. Uh, <laughs> I'm hold about on, to come hold on. Back to you. So, so you you were talking about how 
Okay, the individual who feels uncomfortable throwing a lot, it goes, hey, how about you oh, throw yeah. it, and then I come behind you, oh, that's and right. you know, we'll do whatever. Yeah, so because of the complacency and because of the lack of fitness, we develop a fear of failure. Right. Right? Because, I, and I went through it too, man. Like, I was, when I came into the fire service, I, I didn't have the passion. I didn't have what you would see at a conference. I, I was the guy that went through the academy and learned the NFPA basic standards to be a firefighter, to pull hose and throw a ladder. And that's what, and then after that, I was like, I'm on easy street, bro. I'm good. Mm-hmm. You know, I got, I got a crew to back me up and I got, you know, the entire department to help me get through a structured fire and I'm not going to necessarily be tested. Right. So I don't, I, and then when a training happens and I'm not comfortable with a ladder throw, you know, I don't want to be exposed because, you know, and firefighters eat their own. Right. Yeah, you absolutely. can't. You, I mean, there's there are phrases that get thrown out like, hey, if you can't throw a ladder by yourself, you need to quit. You need to get out of this job. And I was like, well, I do struggle with the ladder, bro. Like, can you help me? Or are you just going to like just stand on the side and, and mock me when I when I'm having a hard time? You know what I mean? So that needs to go away. Like fear of failure. We need to support each other. We need to when you say that we're a part of a brotherhood, that needs to be real. Like we can't, we can't pick and choose who we want to call brother and then trash the rest. Like we got to support each other through, through this game. And, and I think that's something that's, uh, that needs to be improved in the fire service for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I, I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you. I mean, cause I was that way. I got in, I did the, the minimum, um, what do you call this? JPR basics. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, you're good. And then I'm like, oh, all right, I'll rely on whoever else to, to come help. But as you get older, and I, I don't know about your department, but mine, I mean, hell, most of the time I'm riding apparatus of three. Yesterday, I was the only man in the back. It's like, oh, okay, it's on me. So mm-hmm. I have to get good at throwing this ladder or stretching this hose or being able to perform my job as, a, as an EMT. And I mean, like I said, I'm not saying you need to go into work every day uh, hard. Not, I'm not saying hard charge, but like wanting to train day in day out but you have to me at least if you could take an hour or two to to make yourself better to do something to put in that sweat mm-hmm. equity you're making yourself mm-hmm. that that much more better because so many people we have so many individuals that are like oh that can't happen here and it's not a matter of if it's just a matter of when and i've said that right. time and time before and i just can't stand people that come into this job use it as a crutch as, I mean, you know, I, I'm getting, I get my paycheck every two weeks or yeah, I'm here. No, it's not a, just a job. Like you have to have a passion and a knowledge for this job or for whatever position that you're in. Yeah. And I think, I think my department runs a 4896, right? So we do get four days off. And I think some of the mentality is because we're complacent is I can do a side job on the side whether it be, you know, real estate or dog walking or something like that. You got your own little side hustle. But then a lot of times that you come in for your 48 and that becomes your primary job while you're on shift. Like that is not okay. No, that is not okay. You're that is not right. okay. And and once again, I will say that I was that guy. You know, I was coming in on shift and I was like, hey, man, I'm going to be up in my room and I'm on YouTube doing research and I'm doing all this stuff that had nothing to do with the fire service until a call dropped. And when a call dropped, then I was, then I was at work. So I think a lot of it, especially fitness and, and eating right and all that stuff, I think it's very culture based. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been on cruise, man, where we're out outside on the pad, 90 plus degree heat with our shirts off and SCBA packs on just getting after it as a crew. And in the moment it sucks. But when I look over to the side and I see my brother sweating and, and breathing hard with me, I'm like, this is what the fire service is all about, man. Absolutely. But that's not what you see at every station. No. Like you have to bring that culture. And that's another thing like with Fit Fire Fortitude, man, is like, hey, if if, if you don't see it, you got to be the one to bring it. You got, you got to find your tribe. And if your tribe isn't exactly what you want it to be on your crew, like just chip away at them. You know what I mean? Like, hey, you guys want to, you guys want to do just like some little workout in the gym. I don't care what it is, but let's work out at the same time at least. Because at least when you're working out at the same time, I know you're not going to be on your phone because you see me over here looking at you. So you're not just going to sit in the gym on your phone on Instagram telling me that you're working out. 
when I'm standing right next to you, you know what I mean? So it, and it's little things like that. And then when you finally work out together as a crew, you find that motivation and like, you just want to do that all the time. Like that feeling when you're done and you guys can sit back and laugh, man, that's, it's so fulfilling. And I wish more people in the fire service knew about that. Yeah. I mean, cause unfortunately you're going to have different crews that have different dynamics. Uh, you know, some crews are together, uh, you know, you might walk into a station where you have to find where everybody's at and because everybody's in their own little world or everybody's doing their own thing. I mean, yeah, it's it's one of the battles I'm sure many firefighters face. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's a different topic because I don't I don't know if it if that solely relies on the company officer or does that rely on the firefighter that actually cares to intervene because. You don't want to step on anybody's toes, especially if you're not mm -hmm. the company officer to go, hey, this is what I feel like we should be like. There's some people you just won't change. So at the end yeah. of the day, my, the, the, my best advice to anyone is pretty much you do you. Like if yeah. you need to be on the bay training by yourself, train by yourself. If you need to be working out by yourself. Work. To me, at the end of the day, it's all about making yourself better. You want to you want to have your whole crew together and be good, but. Sometimes that's just not how it is. You you won't be able to change people's mindsets on things. Right. Um, but anywho's, um, so what would you say the culture's like within your department? Well, I think the culture is is variable. And I will talk about the great things that my department's doing first. For first and foremost, man, my my department in 19 in like the 1940s was a single station volunteer department. So we haven't been around that long. We had like our first paid firefighter 50 years ago. Now we have almost 200 line firefighters. It's completely paid staff. We have seven stations working on two new ones, right? We got um, tech rescue, hazmat team, wildland team, you know, uh, more specialty. Team. We got SWAT medics now, dude. It's, 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 big, it's blowing up and, and I absolutely love it. The chiefs that we have, they are firefighters chiefs, right? They do everything they possibly can to support us. They do listen to us. But, you know, there is a difference between the culture of the command staff and the line. Mm -hmm. The chiefs up top are doing what they need to do to make this a professional growing fire department. And I, and once again, we are part of it. As far as culture goes, I, in my honest opinion, that is up to the line. Mm -hmm. Like the line Absolutely. needs to dictate that. Yes. And it's very, it's very dependent. And I've, I started to notice that the battalion chiefs, can dictate a lot of the culture. When I first got on, I had a battalion chief. I don't know what his blood pressure was, but he would go around to every station, pour a cup of coffee and sit down at the kitchen table. And he would just want to know what we were doing in individual, like our families, what we were doing around the firehouse. He wanted to know about the calls we were running. He wanted to know if we got sleep that night. He was, he was just into it. And because of that, we were a very family oriented shift. We, I found myself going to, to sp sporting events. We started, they were doing rookie parties. And whenever a guy got a probation on just that shift, mm -hmm. it was like, hey, we're planning a rookie party. We're going to take you out. And we're going to welcome you to the shift. And this is shift dependent. And it was great. You know, and then I switched shifts and it was not necessarily that way. You know, it was, it was, it was more nomadic. You know, the, um, the BCs I have now are great, but I think, uh, in BC's past, before I got to that shift, it was more of just kind of like crews are out doing whatever they want to do. Um, maybe we have a pulse on what they're doing, but it's not necessarily like a whole a shift thing. Mm -hmm. But my chiefs now, they are very aware of that and um, they make sure they're, they're trying to change it. You know, we have a book club now with the with all, all the company officers are reading a book. They talk about leadership and the chief, my, my battalion chief, who is also a mentor of mine, he... He makes sure he emailed everybody on the shift and he said, Hey, send me your emergency contact information because if something happens to you, I want to, I want to be able to be the one to call your wife, your spouse, whatever. And he actually has a, like a photo album of like people's families. So when he comes into work, he goes, that's not just Preston. That's Preston and his wife who's got a baby on the way. So um, I will, I will do anything for that chief. I love that chief. And um, it's amazing. You know, so I think the culture is variable, but it's pretty good. Now, once again, I did bring up, you know, the line eating their own, eating our young. I think we're getting away from it. 
but there was a time where rookies would come online and it was like, be present, but keep your mouth shut. I don't care what experience you bring here. Just, just run your calls and shut your mouth. And we'd say things like, Hey, we're not in the building up phase yet. We're still tearing this guy down. I'm like, well, what was the Academy for then? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I remember being in gear for eight hours with an SBA pack on and repping and repping and repping and repping in an Academy. And I was so happy to finally get to the line. And then when you get to the line, that's, that's your welcome. It's like, come on, man, that's not how it's supposed to be. Like you, the, the, you're part of the family now. Welcome. What's your background? Oh, you can probably teach me something. You just came out of Academy. You're probably in better shape than everybody on this crew. Teach us something like we need to embrace that. That is something that I, uh, I think we're working on, but just like everything, in the fire service, there's, there's a bell curve, man. I think there really is. No. And I like how you mentioned it starts with the line. Cause I think a lot of things can start with the line. Uh, and I'm not trying to go down a rabbit hole, but if you don't have the right individual, that's, in that company officer role, I think that that can also deter the line from getting stronger. If you promote mm-hmm. the wrong individual for the wrong reasons, because they're a good test taker, but they suck as a leader to the rest of their mm-hmm. crew, or they set examples where I'm not doing this. So I don't care if you do it or not. You know, that's mm-hmm. where I think the issue lies where we need to start watching. And I'm not saying this is for all departments, but we need to start watching who we promote, why we're promoting them, and mm-hmm. what can they bring to the table. We need to start looking at how that individual has been before the promotion. How's their work ethic? How's their background? Talk to individuals who work with them to go, hey, would, do you think this guy would be a company officer? Because we all know when it's promotional time and you know, in a flip of a switch, people who used to be recliners all day or, Oh, we're out studying and training and doing this. And it's like, no, dude, I mean, who are you fooling? You're fooling yourself because people that really know you know that you're full of shit, you know? Yeah. um, You know, I think one thing, one thing, one struggle in in the fire service now, and I, and I'm pretty sure it's, it's uh, nationwide. It's like, it's hard to get fired. It's hard to get fired from a firefighter position. Uh, For whatever reason, we let the mutts just stay, on the recliners and we don't hold them accountable. Mm-hmm. And one thing I'm starting to notice, and you might be starting to see this too, man, but like the hard chargers, the people that try to step out and bring a positive influence. And let's say you're that guy that, that goes out to conferences and tries to bring something back. What happens? You get squashed, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You get, you get more backlash from trying to influence something positive in your department than the guy that's been on the recliner for 15 years. How come that guy gets a pass? Oh, well, we tried and now we just gave up. So now we're just going to pass the buck. He's just going to yep. be everybody's problem. Yep. I don't want to go into a fire with that dude. You damn right. But yet when I come in here and, and once again, like I said, I'm not, I'm not everybody's favorite flavor of Kool-Aid, man. And, and I, and I'm unapologetic, but I'm trying to be positive. I'm trying to lead by example. And, and I know, and there's a caveat, right? I wasn't always this guy. I was the guy that would had a fear of failure. I was the guy that thought the NFPA standards was all I needed to know. And now all of a sudden Preston's trying to come through and be motivational and, and try to learn some stuff and, and thinks he can teach me something. So I get that. But at the same time, like, can you appreciate the hustle that's being put in the grind? Like, why are we going after those people and, and ostracizing those people instead of holding the people that need to be held accountable, accountable. And I think that going back, that should go back to the company officer. We should promote company officers that are willing and able to have those hard conversations. You don't have to be a, you don't have to be a dick, but if you, if you got somebody on your crew, then, you know, that's slacking, then you need to, you need to step, you need to be able to hold them accountable and step it up because yeah. the rest of your crew is, is suffering because of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. hundred percent hit it on the nail, man. Can't say it more. Uh, yes. Yeah, so we need to start. Uh, instead of directing, instead of dealing in it, instead of dealing with an issue to the whole department, you need to go to the source, the problem, and go, "Hey, we need you to fix it, or suffer whatever consequences come the you know come your way." We need to stop mm-hmm. um, the word I'm looking for. We need to stop punishing the whole department and start looking at the culprit that's causing mm-hmm. these issues. 
because I hate that. I hate whenever, you know, oh, we're having a problem here. Okay, the whole department's going to suffer because of one individual. No, set an example and deal with the person. That way it sets a precedence of, damn, they're not playing any games right now. Like, right. okay, I need, I need to step it up. And I, and I know that there are some departments that do that, but like you said, man, we all know, it, we all see it. It's hard as hell nowadays to, to, to try to get a firefighter terminated, you know, depending on if they, if they're a part of a union or whatever state that they're in different laws and everything else. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. like, I mean, everybody deserves a chance, but at some point, you know, we need to start looking at what we do. We're not just, pencil pushers we don't sit behind an office all day we don't work eight to five we're not behind cubicles we're out in the streets dealing with real shit with real people problems okay not stuff that you know a software or uh some computer training can fix we need to remember that this is the real world we're dealing with real people with real issues Mm -hmm. absolutely um, with that being said, what keeps you personally positive to what keeps you personally invested to stay positive and continue loving this job? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I actually got kind of a long story on that. I'll try to keep it short. No, you're good, man. Go uh, ahead. You're good. You're good. Let's roll. So so um COVID hurt me, man. COVID COVID was tough. Um EMS calls went through the roof mm-hmm. and once again fires were down. Yep. Um people couldn't manage the common cold anymore and justifiably. So, you know, with, with the narrative and, and the time that we went through, but the, pro- I, and I was on a medic unit for a year during COVID and the process that we had to go through, man, was goggles, Tyvek suit, gloves, rubber boots. And we had to decon the medic unit after every call we had to do a special COVID worksheet. We had to come in and test every morning. And I just, one day I was just like, man, I don't, know if this is what i want to do anymore Mm -hmm. this isn't the fire service that i thought i was getting in and i need i owe it to myself to look at something else Mm -hmm. and i started looking into like emergency management you know maybe i can get a job where if a hurricane or tornado hits they can like fly me in to set up the ics structure chain of command get the logistics going and i can still be out there helping people and maybe that'll fulfill me you know, and I even looked into it. There's a group called Team, Rub- Team Rubicon. It's a veteran disaster response organization. They do a lot of humanitarian stuff too, but they're great. And I was looking into them and I applied to, to their position. I didn't get it, thankfully so in hindsight, but then I was also applying to similar positions and I wasn't getting it. And I was actually getting frustrated by it, but now I'm so thankful. But the one event I was actually going to go to, uh, I forget which hurricane it was, but it hit Fort Myers, Florida um not too long ago okay okay Um, i forget the name of it but i was actually gonna go fly out with this disaster response team to help with mitigation operations and my wave was gonna go in january and i i had the flights booked and everything and my bags packed and i had the vacation picked uh from my fire job i had vacation slotted to actually go down there and do this and the wave actually got canceled so I wasn't going. And I'm like, okay, well, I already got this time off and I kind of want to go to Florida. And I said, you know what? Let's see what fire conferences are in the area. Maybe my department will pay me to go to some out of, out of um, outside training, right? And I found the Pensacola Beach Fire Conference by County Fire Tactics. And I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I did all the paperwork. I submitted the request and the department was like, everything's paid for, you're going. And I'm like, it just happened to line up with the same wave I was supposed to go to do emergency management stuff. And I get to this conference and I'm surrounded by mustaches, bro. (laughs) 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 And I'm like, what did I just walk into, man? What's up with all these fanboys? You know what I mean? Because I I didn't have it yet. I didn't have that spark. And I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I'm here to get some hands-on training and maybe I'll, you know, benefit from, I'll be able to bring something back to the department. And seeing Chief Ike up on the stage and the way he commands a crowd. You ever been to a County Fire Tactics conference? I where have he not, does his count- I've oh, listened to Chief Ike yeah. talk. Bro, he the way he does his countdown from 10 down to down to one, and, and you see grown men scramble to their seats to get in their seat before, you know, before he's done counting. Like he started the conference off with the Pledge of Allegiance. 
you know, and he had some great guest speakers there. And I, and I got to learn uh, the hands-on part from uh, Mike Champo, Kyle Romagus and all. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know these guys. And everybody's like, there's, there's Champo, there's Ray McCormick. I'm like, who? I don't mm -hmm. know these guys. And they're mm -hmm. like, dude, you have no idea what you just got yourself into, man. Mm -hmm. And I started, I started hearing their names. I started doing research and um, I, I see um, Chief Scott Thompson up on the stage talks about, you know, his functional leadership in the firehouse. And I'm like, he is talking directly to me. Is this mm -hmm. dude a freaking sermon? Like mm -hmm. he's channeling me through his speech. Mm -hmm. And, and he tells me in, in, in his speech, he tells the crowd, he's like, if you, if you want to learn more about this job and you got a passion for it, listen to the weekly scrap with Corley Moore. And I'm like, all right, who's that? <laughs> right. And I sound, I sound so weird saying it like that because over the past year I have, I listen to the weekly scrap every day. I started from number one and I'm mm -hmm. trying to get all the way through. I'm on one, like 37 right now. And I'm, okay. and I'm trying to, and I, and I try to get on the lives. I'm part of the vigilantes. You know what I mean? Like I'm a Corley Moore fanboy. I'm not afraid to admit it. Uh, he's a, he's a great dude. Um, but that dude, that was what, that was what changed my career. It's, it reignited that spark mm -hmm. that I felt when I first got into the fire service that I, that I, I lost, mm -hmm. I lost it. And it's because I was just, and no disrespect to my department, but when you stay just inside the walls of your department, you're a little inbred, right? You don't know any better. You don't know yep. what's out there, yep. you know, and, and I'm in Colorado. I'm in the middle of the country. I had no influence from FDNY guys and, and Houston fire guys until I went to that conference. And, and there are some giants out there, man. I had no idea what that world was. And um, ever since then, I've jumped head first into this passion of the craft and um and shameless plug shout out to um rural fire tactics and, and logan hinkle he actually i met him i have never met him in person he asked me he's like hey you going to the first stand fire conference in arkansas and i was like actually dude uh my department said they already spent too much money on me for outside training so like i don't i don't know if i'm gonna go it's a lot of money and he goes if i get the registration covered for you will you come out and i'm like yeah sure man like i don't know how you're gonna do that and he actually gets it done. And I'm like, how'd you do that? And he goes, don't eat, don't ask questions, bro. I was, like, I was like, all right. So I got my flights. I got my hotel book and I'm going to be at the first in fire conference. And I, I, th I think I heard you mention that you might go. I'm not sure if you're going to be there, but um, just to have another opportunity to network with people. And this guy was like, well, I'll pick you up. We'll go to the firehouse and smoke some cigars with my crew. And I'm like, dude, that would never happen in my department. Like we hate outsiders, man. When guys come by the firehouse and they're like, Hey, I'm a fire department. We're here, whatever. And we're like, Oh, here we go. You know, like that there's such a difference, man, outside, outside the walls of my department. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not bashing my department, but it's just different. It is. And, right. and, and I, and Corley's mentioned it before. I forget who, who mentions it, but it was like, I think it was Brian Brush who quoted it first, but like, once you get outside the walls of your department, or outside the walls of your department, you realize there are no walls. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I am living proof of that right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm eating it up and I don't think I'm, I'm never going back. I am never going back. Yeah. No, the same way you, your, your uh, experience was, was my experience. Cause you know, back when I started and granted, uh, I'm going to do a podcast on myself. It'll probably be the last one. I do for season one. So people that don't really know me can, 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 can get to know me. So I won't go into full detail, but I was definitely where you at, where you were at. Like when I started, I, I listened, I was young. I did stupid things. I didn't keep my mouth shut, but then I got to a point where I didn't really say anything. And I just, I was one of those where I followed my assignment. I did what I was supposed to do, but I was never like outspoken until something tripped and then i'm like you know what like fuck this if, if if you say something that i don't agree with i'm not gonna like we're not gonna like bicker or battle back and forth but i'm gonna let you know this is how i feel about it and why mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you know as i as i branched out and went out to these different conferences and then i started listening to different podcasts i was like holy shit like this is exactly the same thing that i'm dealing with same issues um, I'm not the only one that feels this way. And they were like, voice your concerns, like be passionate about this job because it is the greatest job in the world, but also know that this job can kill you, that there are things you need to get comfortable with, you know, get comfortable being uncomfortable. 
Mm-hmm. So all that resonated. And then as you network and you talk to people and you meet different people, man, you're just like, yeah, this is what this job needs. So your experience, like I will say my, my first experience at a conference, I knew some of these names. I was just looking like, where, where? <laughs> and like, I am a fanboy. So um, I, I always give this example. Uh, I heard the name Cody Trestrail through like different podcasts. I'm like, oh man, this guy's like jam up. And I did some research on him and I'm like, okay. And then when I finally heard somebody uh, down in Charlotte yell his name, I was like, where? And I looked and I saw him. I was like, oh shit. I was like, all right, during the break, I'm going to go, I'm going to go up to this guy. So I went up to him during the break and I was like, you're Cody Trestrail. And he's like, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to restate that. I said, you're Cody fucking Trestrail. And he goes, <laughs> I'm Cody fucking Trestrail. I was like, can I shake your hand? He's like, yeah, man. I was like, can I take a picture? He's like, yeah, he was so damn down to earth and cool. Yeah. So, you know, man, like all these, and that's the thing, all these little micro conferences that are popping up everywhere, you know, not everybody can afford FDIC. I've never been to FDIC, but these mini conferences, man, to me, I feel like you get much more hands on, much more time with the instructors. So like, and I tell people, I've told people in other, I've said in other podcast episodes, get out of your firehouse, get out of your mm-hmm. area, man, go out and talk to other people, network, you're going to see how big the brotherhood and the fire service yeah. really is beyond your station. Cause you can only control what you can control within your, you know, your department. If you want to bring some stuff mm-hmm. back and it gets shut down, don't let it bother you, man. Just keep right. doing what you're doing. If you affect one person little by little, they'll be like, Hey man, you see this guy right now, he is just, he's jam up. He knows this person. He was able to get this when I had information. So get out there. That's the, that's the message. Get out there. Yeah, I've actually, I'm actually uh, bringing a couple guys with me to the company officer boot camp in Pensacola next year. I think it's like April 30th or something like that. Mm-hmm. Because that one specifically, you can bring your family to. So it's like, mm-hmm. hey, no excuse, bro. Like, bring your kids. Don't. It doesn't matter. I'm. I got a baby getting born in October this year, and yeah. it's a girl, and she's coming. She's gonna be in her little bathing suit in the pool while I'm sitting in there, uh, you know, getting my education and and all this stuff. And so. I got a couple guys coming and I cannot wait to see what their experience is because it is one of those things, those mini conferences. It's, it's, I hate to use the word intimate, but it is intimate. Yeah. Yeah. You take, you're on a break and you see chief Scott Thompson, who was just talking at the bar (laughs) ordering a drink. And you're like, should I go talk to him? You know, you know what I mean? It's it's weird, but that's what I love about it, man. And I cannot wait to to be able to spread that through my department and and having a couple guys go, is going to be good. Awesome. Awesome, man. Um, with that being said, what are your ultimate goals, whether it's short term or long term? Yeah. So uh, the way I do goals now, um, I learned from Andy Frisella. I don't know if you know him. He's a CEO of First Form. He, he created 75 Hard. OK. Uh, he does a podcast called The Real AF. And the way he talks about how you should set your goals is you should you should reach for the stars. You should, Your goals should be set so high that they're practically impossible to achieve. And the reason why you should do that is because even if you come up short, you're way better off than than maybe a goal, an achievable goal you could have set for yourself at, at just just something easy, right? So for me, and to bring up Scott Thompson again, I I I my goal in my department is to be the fire chief, right? It's a big yeah. goal. Yeah. I may I, and I'm probably not gonna be the person for that, and I may not ever come close, but guess what? Now when I show up to work. I try to look at a big picture of things. I try to think from like the political bureaucratic matter of things. And I try to make sure on top of policies and why we do things instead of just complaining about it from the kitchen table. I'm like, I don't know why they pass this down. It's the stupidest thing ever. It's like, well, okay, let me look into the why mm-hmm. and figure that. So I'm already developing myself that way. And even if I come up short and, and I'm the battalion chief of a shift, I, I can still influence people that way. You know what I mean? So um, outside of the fire service, but it's still related to the fire service. Once again, uh, talking about fanboys, I don't, I want to try to become a public speaker to be able to go around to these conferences and talk and influence culture and talk about leadership, because I think I do have a, a pretty good um, grasp on a lot of those. I, that's where I like to thrive is to, to enhance leadership and talk and, and in my, in my world is it's mm-hmm. about leadership amongst um, talking with my family, with my crew out in society, like 
you could, you, everyone can be a leader of everything. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's the thing. And then, um, as far as fit fire fortitude goes, I don't exactly know how far I'm going to go with this, but I want it to be a brand that's recognizable kind of like fire by trade, right? Like where, um, I can maybe network with some people and create a training group where we can go out and teach some, some hot classes to different fire departments. And it doesn't even have to be at conferences, but like have some type of effect on the fire service because I, I, I want to have some type of mark on the fire service. I don't want to just be a flash in the pan and it's ambitious. And I know not a lot of people want that, but that's, that's the direction I'm trying to take my life. And I think it gives me a lot of purpose and it gives me a lot of drive. And then, of course, trying to be the best husband I can be and be the best. I'm, I am absolutely terrified. But uh, when my daughter's here, I want to make sure I don't make too many mistakes. Uh, and she becomes su uh, successful, whatever, what is she successful at whatever she's at. Just so you know, she is going to be in jujitsu right when she can walk. So <laughs> I'm not worrying about that. But, you know, um, that's the, those are the major things that I think about. And those are the goals that I have. All right. All right. Um... First of all, congratulations on getting ready to be a dad to be or getting ready to be a girl dad. Welcome to the club. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I have one. She's almost five. I can tell you, you're going to make little mistakes and you're going to learn from them. I know the hardest thing that I had to grasp was how am I going to know what this baby wants? Because like <laughs> they're not going to be able to talk. And dude, you like you'll. And and I had others, other other dads and other fathers and other father figures in my life tell me, dude, it's gonna be your child. You're gonna you're gonna know what they want just because you you know your your kid. So um, it's the greatest thing. Everybody has different phases through the baby phase that they like. Like I wasn't real big on the infant stage because like they couldn't talk and it was just like guy 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 and all that stuff. And that's cool, but. Like, I like where she's at now because she can communicate. She can tell you what's wrong. She can tell you what she wants. Mm -hmm. um, they're still they're still going to get on your nerves every once in a while, especially when they start learning the word no and everything else. But, man, you know, yeah. when, when you look at the big picture, like how they act, like, damn, like I had a, a, a slight part in making this creation here, man. It's 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 the it's the greatest in the world, dude. So you'll you'll do yeah. just fine. Appreciate it, man. I'll keep you updated on that. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll also too, word of advice. Uh, so you're going to have so many different families and friends go, hey, no, I think this is how you should. Everybody's going to oh. interject on how you do things, dude. Just remember you and your wife, y'all do you. Don't listen. Oh, yeah. You're going to get so much. I think you should, you should do it this way. You should do it. Like at, at one point I was like, listen, this is our child, me and my wife's child. We're going to do it how we want to do it. So be prepared for that because that's going to happen. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if, if anybody's met my wife, she is, she is more fierce than I am. I am, I am sugarcoated compared to her. So when you try to give my wife unsolicited advice, like be ready to feel that wrath yeah. because ain't nobody telling her anything about motherhood. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you have a long ways to go, but when they get to a certain age, do their sponges like, they will repeat stuff. You're like, what the hell? Like, what did you hear that? I heard that from you. And you're like, shit. So like, <laughs> <laughs> so like you gotta, you gotta be cognizant of what you say when they get to a certain age, man. Cause right. they're like little sponges and they just pick <sighs> up everything, but it's, it's oh. awesome, man. It'd be the greatest thing for you. So, yeah. um, um, I, I, I kind of, I don't know if I like, didn't give you the plug but for those that want to contact you for uh mm -hmm. fit fire and fortitude how can they go about that uh so i'm pretty active on instagram mostly fit fire fortitude just one word um it doesn't necessarily say my name but the the logo is, is kind of like a lion head with some words around it and um uh the the slogan that we have is relentlessly contesting mediocrity so when you see that um, know that that's my page and um, you can also find me on Facebook Preston Lyons and uh, those are the best ways to contact me and if you just message me through there uh, I'll probably just give you my phone number at that point once I you know validate that you're a real person and not trying to sell me yeah, yeah something so yeah but yeah those are the best two ways to contact me okay all right uh, we already kind of hit on the last question um, on what the American Fire Service can improve on but what would you 
for for your last question for me, what would you say to a heat, an eager, hungry, motivated firefighter who feels like they are surrounded by a complacent culture or organization? What would you tell that individual if they came up to you? Yeah, I would just say you got to become undeniable. You know what I mean? Like we're surrounded in the fire service. We're surrounded by complainers. We're surrounded by people that don't want to solve the problems and just point out all the mistakes. You got guys that want to bitch about the current generation upcoming in the fire service. But I'm sorry, but we weren't this my generation and anybody after me. We weren't born that way. We were raised by the previous generation. So if you want to start bitching about generational firefighters, like you need to look in the mirror and figure out a way that you can improve upon these guys that are coming up because we're eager to learn. So someone that's, you know, highly motivated before you start chiming in, because I made this mistake, right? Like I said, I woke up one day and I was like, I'm going to be this. And I started telling everybody, right? And I started calling out all the problems in the fire service. I started you know, talking about mediocrity. And I started talking about the mutts and mutts don't scrap, right? Like I hate to say it, but mutts still got teeth, bro. They're going to come at you. And if, mm -hmm. you, if you got chinks in the armor, they will expose it. So before you try to put yourself out there, you got to study, train, work, grind, network, find your tribe, connect with people that are just as passionate as you. It doesn't have to be in your firehouse. It could be outside. Go to many conferences, find these people and become so efficient at this job and show people through your actions. Lead by example. That where you don't have to say shit, the, the people, your biggest, make it so your biggest critics defend you when you're not in the room. That is not something that happens overnight. That is a journey. And I'm and I'm on it right now and I'm backpedaling right now because I, I did it wrong. You know what I mean? I right. wish someone would have told me that. Like, and you hear people say all the time, like, when you get on, keep your mouth shut. Like, no, don't necessarily keep your mouth shut, right? right. Let people know who you are. Be authentic. If you're a talker, because I'm a talker. If you're a talker, talk. But be ready to back that shit up. You know what I mean? Um, and that's the only thing I got to say is be undeniable and lead by example. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome advice. Awesome little nuggets for anyone listening uh because you know yeah we were all at that point where everyone makes mistakes in in this field i mean i'm I, i'll admit it like i said when i was young man i was i was yapping at the mouth didn't know when to shut up didn't know when to listen and as you get older man you get wiser and then when you see yeah. the next person that was like hey i used to be that person give them a hey if they want to take the little nugget hey man just word of advice i used to kind of do what you do and this is what happens if they want to take it cool if not you know I'm going to make sure I'm there to go kind of look at you like, Hey, you remember me? Yeah. I was the person that told you you might want to, yeah. you know, be careful. Oh, back it down yeah, a little dude, bit. I got a story on that, man. So um, I used to, I used to be extremely, I still am, but I, I don't voice it as much, but I used to be extremely passionate about like sports and politics. For some reason, I decided to bring that heat to the kitchen table and Bro, you don't want that smoke. Like when you when you're you're sitting around arguing, why am I arguing politics? I and 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 the thing is, you're over here arguing politics. You know, and you know the favorite shoe size of your favorite athlete. What's the diameter of the smoothboard tip on the cross lay on the engine right now? Can you tell me that? How many feet of hose do we have on the rig? Mm -hmm. You can't answer that, but you can tell me Travis Kelsey's shoe size and what his wife's doing. Get out of here, man. And that was my fault. I was I was coming in hot every day, arguing non-fire shit because I like it. I like controversy, and I, you know, I would I would bring it. But what did that do besides like make myself look like a clown? Right. And I'm picking fights with my crewmates over non-fire shit. Now we want to argue about sitting in the recliner and not training and not being fit and not giving the community what they deserve. Now we can now we can have a conversation. But that other shit, man, like you better, once again, you better be dialed if you're going to start talking and run your mouth. And yeah. I am speaking from experience. And if anybody from my department is listening to this, they are nodding their head and laughing their ass off. <laughs> 
I know I don't get in the I don't get into the whole politics at work, dude. Like I'm I'm the type of guy if I walk into a room and there's Fox or CNN or MSNBC on, I'm going straight for the remote and I'm putting it on like HGTV, fucking <laughs> neutral because I don't want none of that shit at work. Like I right. especially politics, I do not get involved with that. So sound yeah. advice, man. Um, Preston, man, it's been great. I, I appreciate you accepting my invitation, coming on here, man, uh, talking some truth um, for those that that listen to this, man. Um, so you already, you already told the individuals how they can contact you, but I just want to say thank you, man, for coming on. It's been great. Absolutely, man. appreciate the time. All right. Thank you, sir. Thanks. If any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal-oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, contact me at studentofthegamefirepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.